great people of this United States or the world. That's right. We don't just broadcast in the U.S. like all of you United States chumps thought. We broadcast in Australia, for example. New Zealand, for example. You're going to name all the countries of the world? Brazil. That's another example. And many others. All of them. Uh, my name's Micah McCaw. My name's Jordan McCaw. <laughs> and we are two married people. Yeah. And we host this podcast. It's called the Macaw Podcast Universe, and it exists to prove people wrong when they say... I think sequels are never better than the originals. <laughs> That's why we exist. And... And I hope you guys all booked your first class tickets because today we're talking about a first class movie. Oh, <laughs> Jordan joining in on the fun. I'm, I'm very joke, excited about not that. Not how I feel. Uh, yeah, we're tr- so so we were voted that we would do um, X Men. F- yeah, and yeah. we've been waiting to do this a very very long time. That's always been one of the big series. And if you're if you're kind of like joining us new, you might be like, well, last week you were doing. Three Colors, the Three Colors trilogy by the Polish filmmaker. Yeah, I the thought French this films. was a, a film podcast, not a movie podcast. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, but uh, that was to take a little break. So we did the original X-Men trilogy and uh, Wolverine, and then it felt like there's a natural. Origin. Yeah, yeah. or X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Thank you. Uh, and then it felt like, okay, there's kind of a natural break where we can now do you know, this is like the reboot prequel kind of thing. We're going to be discussing that pretty heavily. Uh, and then from here on out, it is X-Men until we finish. Pray for us. Uh, yeah, well, Jordan, this will help. We only have eight more movies after we're done recording this episode. So bummed about that. <laughs> but uh, you like at least one of them. I like two of them. There you go. It's already that looking we've good. we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, not to say I'm not. I'm not being a curmudgeon and saying I don't like the others. Yeah. I just really liked two, so far. Well, I I have to say after watching those first four movies, I kind of had a nice taste of X Men in my mouth, and I just thought it tasted um mutiny. Hmm. Sure, sure. <laughs> Jordan, leave the puns to me. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, yeah. It it. But but I I thought you know what. Like this has been pretty fun so far. I kind of even even the things I didn't like in some of the older movies, I I still was pretty on board and enjoyed. So it's like, okay, let's see what you got the rest of the series. And then we'll see what we got. Now, I got to tell you about my first experience with this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh I went to the theaters. I think uh it was with just a bunch of friends from high school. This was 2011. Mhm. And we went and we saw like um like an after Friday school showing. So, you know, Early probably evening. like a three thirty kind of showing or something like that. I think it was the weekend it came out or the weekend before. Probably pro- or I mean after. Probably a weekend or two after because the theater was not very full. Um and I was really like I kind of thought it was funny how long Magneto screamed at the beginning of the movie, and that was kind of like my first breaking point. Okay, that's pretty early. Now, I'm, I'm quite young, okay? Yeah, no, so, yeah. So that's playing a role in all of this. Um, and qu- quite young meaning like 
you know, immature. I'm, I, just say it. I'm go well. I'm going through my phase too, where I'm like, if CGI is in something, it automatically means it's bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like going through that. And phase. sucks for you that you went to a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah. Were um, you excited at all for this movie? I think I actually was though. Okay. I think I was because I did like the other X Men movies, and um, but but I think I also around this time, you know, I'd seen Iron Man, I'd seen Iron Man Two and Incredible Hulk. But I didn't go see Thor, mm -hmm. and I was disappointed by Captain America: First Avenger. So I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. Mm -hmm. Although, of course, see our Captain America: First Avenger episode. That's the best Captain America movie. It rocks. It's yeah, it's awesome. Um, but go and see this movie, and there's just some things about it that are odd, and then there's a lot of things uh, that that were hurting my brain in terms of. Is this a reboot or is this a like new thing? Because it's like not lining up with what I know from the X Men movies. Uh huh. Um, and then <laughs> we get to this scene. We're at the Cuba Missile Crisis, and we've been kind of laughing. We've been doing a little bit of heckling, you know, teenage boys in the theater. And then I want to say when Angel and Banshee started fighting, they turned on the house lights. For the theater, and we just burst into laughter. And they remained on for the rest of the time. They remained on for the rest of the time, which has never happened to me in a theater before. They straight up turned on the lights. I think someone just accidentally flipped a switch. Well, it genuinely, because, and I don't know if I'm just looking at this through rose-colored glasses, but it seemed like everyone else in the theater was also not really into the movie. Um, You know, it just had, like, like the energy was low. Uh-huh. Um, and and when the lights turned on, it 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 felt like I know this is not what really happened, but it felt like the person was like, "We know you guys aren't liking this. Just feel free to go now." There's still like 20 minutes of this movie left, and they flipped on the lights. Mm -hmm. And so it is forever funny enough. It is one of the most fun <laughs> experiences I've had in the theater because you're just with friends, and we're all just like yucking it up, and kind of can't believe how bad the movie is. Mm -hmm. So that is my first experience with that. That's movie. pretty funny to me. So was this was this your second time? This was my second time watching it. Okay. And and so here's the broader context as well. I fully jumped out of X-Men movies after this. You hadn't seen any of the others besides not including Deadpool and Logan. I went and I saw Deadpool and I was like, dig it, which made me see Deadpool too. And then Logan, there was enough of like, oh, this is like uh this is like the dark night of this It's not your father's Wolverine movie. Yeah, of this decade. Like this movie transcends the superhero genre, and I saw that. And I did not see any other X-Men movies because of this movie. Okay. And I still have not. Okay. And part of that is like for the last three years, I've actually wanted to watch them, but I'm like, we're going to cover them. So why uh -huh. watch them? And then like a month later, have to watch them again, maybe. Because mm -hmm. uh, if you didn't like this one, there's a good chance you won't like the others. Yeah. But we'll go through each one and, and my thoughts on and what I was hearing from people, you know, but yeah. the, the thing that was weird to me is this was also back in the time when I used to spend I don't know, an hour a week looking at the IMDb top 250 and seeing which movies I'd watched and creating a list and all that craziness. And this movie was, like, on there for a while. Um, and that happens a lot with new releases. Mm -hmm. Like, they just, people who like them see them right away, and then they pop up on the IMDb top, top 250. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was just, like, appalled that this movie could ever get that close. And 
And so that happened, and then since 2011, it's been, you know, 13 years later, or 12 years later, and it feels like everyone looks back and is like, oh, but First Class is one of the really good ones, actually. And it feels like I just totally misread the movie or was trying to be cool around my friends is the impression I got because we've even we even have like an upcoming guest who requested to be on this scheduling didn't work and they're like oh I love X Men First Class and so I'm kind of like oh okay um, and so I'm thinking okay we're gonna watch a movie and I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna be like you know what I was just being a little turd this movie is really good. So that is the table setting for this movie, X-Men First Class. For you. For me. Yes, yes, for me. What is it for you? This was my first time last night. That's my table <laughs> yeah. setting for X-Men First Class. So really not much more to say about it. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, and, and you're the same because we saw the next uh, – like this is going to be kind of one of the rare – the rare longer series – that that it will like like th- not rare but but it just seems like there, there's there's many series where it's like oh I have this experience you have this experience but w- this one we're like caught up mm-hmm. the rest of the this series is gonna be the same for us like new watches and then mm-hmm. rewatching three movies we've seen once in theaters mm-hmm. so you've um, not seen Logan since no oh. Actually, and we did watch Deadpool at your grandma's house one time too, but we've no, seen we it didn't. by your. Uh, yeah, we did. Just you and me when you were um, babysitting or not baby <laughs> house sitting. House sitting. Oh, okay. I was like, I really don't think my family's gonna gather around to watch a Deadpool movie. Yeah, we we've seen that twice. I don't together. Okay. Yeah. How's your memory so good about this stuff? Because uh, movies are important to me, and I love them, and yeah. it sticks with me more than most things in life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Let's talk about who made this movie, right? We have the director, Matthew Vaughn, and he directed a movie called Layer Cake, which is his first movie. And a movie I probably will never watch. It's yeah. like it always pops up, and it's like, this is the time I'm going to watch this movie. I just can't bring myself to do it for some reason. Fun movie. I need someone else to click play. Daniel Craig? Yeah. One of, one of an, or an early Daniel Craig role, pre-Bond. Um I think pre-Bond, pre-Munich maybe, or same year as Munich. So kind of part of his foundation, you know. Uh, he did Kick-Ass, another oh, movie you haven't seen. Another movie that whenever it floats by, it's like, just hit play, Jordan. You know you'd like this movie. Yeah. You've heard that it's movies. this movie rocks. Can't get myself to press play. We could do that on, uh, we could do those movies on Patreon if we wanted to. Because there's two of them. Because I need to watch them. Okay, so next month in May, we're doing Kick-Ass. Okay. Uh, it's been decided right here, right now. <laughs> well, that was easy. I got someone to press play for me. Yeah. Uh, and then we have all three Kingsman movies he did. Okay. So there's potential we could cover him again on the main feed. But we don't have to. We don't have to, and and I am still haunted by the Kingsman trailer. I can still, sometimes when I'm restless at night, I'll wake up sweating and I'm just like, Ray Fiennes, uh, Kingsman, uh, will it ever come out? You know, I'm just yeah. haunted by that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he did all of those. The screenplay is by Ashley Edward Miller, and he wrote a movie that I'm assuming you're going to have a reaction to, 
Agent Cody Banks. Oh. <laughs> he right also on. was a writer on Terminator, the Sarah Cross. Chronicles? Hmm. So Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes. That's, <laughs> okay. And a writer on Fringe, the television series. Uh, and then Zach Stetz is a former writing partner of Ashley's, and they worked on this together. Okay. Uh, Jane Goldman is a writer on Kick-Ass, Miss Peregrine's Poem for Papillier Pildren, or what is it? Close enough. Uh... She also wrote 2020's Rebecca. Always a good idea to adapt an Alfred Hitchcock classic directly to Netflix with Army Hammer. Um, you know that's a book. Yeah, but, you know, some things are more famous. Like Yeah, no, you're right. Jaws I, is I know, a book. But it's, it's like a classic, you know, I think. Psycho's a book, too. But it's like, you know. I think Rebecca gets in that category. Okay. It's It's the Hitchcock. And then Matthew Vaughn also has a writing credit on this as well. Uh, the story's by Sheldon Turner, who did Longest Yard, the 2005 remake, and, of course, Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. Because, you know, we needed to know how it all began. And then guess who we have also on story credit? It's Super Creep himself, Brian Singer. Okay. I thought we were away from him. I thought we were done talking about him. I have since discovered that he directs two more of these X-Men movies. Two more. So we have to talk about Brian Singer some more. I thought Jeez. we were able to retire it on X2. So did, did he not get formally get in trouble until the Me Too movement? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, well, that pretty explains late. a lot. Yeah. Although, but, you know, like in our X-Men 1 episode... We talked about how, like, oh yeah, he, he was there were not, allegations and stuff. There, there was no, it was not swept under. I mean, it was swept under the rug in a way because they just let him, you know, still have his job and stuff. But yeah, like the, he totally no should not have been working. Yeah, for a long time. Mm -hmm. So that's whatever. Um, then on cinematography, we have John Matheson who did Doctor Strange and Hannibal. So we okay. have talked about him before. Um. I find this strange. I I don't know. I, I don't understand why you would need to do this, but um, the director of this movie hired five cinematographers. To and, perform one job. Yeah, and, and John Matheson. And all five of them worked on the movie? Yes. And, and it wasn't like they hired one, then they fired that person and got... No. It was like they all collaborated. That's so stupid. And You can't trust one person to be a cinematographer. Yeah, I mean, he said it was a wonderful experience, but I, I don't know. It's strange. I've never heard of that. That's so weird. Five people? Yeah, yeah. Five people. That's yeah. too many. And he, um, so I guess John Matheson, he... Because this movie was so artistic and was just so <laughs> interestingly shot. Yeah, I mean, he, he shot 45 to 55% of the movie, and he got, he still got the credit for the movie. Because you know how there's weird, well, that's like... that's even weirder. I know I know. people fight for the credit. There's, like, PGA and WGA stuff, so that's strange. And he came in halfway through the shoot, so I don't really get how that works. Um, I don't get it either. But Matthew Vaughn was really intent on making this have, like, a James Bond look and feel, and he needed five cinematographers to get him there. Hmm. So... That's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, the music is by Henry Jackson, who, of course, did a movie we covered in the first year of our podcast called Puss 
in Boots. Okay. And he also did Kong Soul Island, Detective Pikachu, and Wreck-It Ralph. The movie comes out June 3rd, 2011. It has a $160 million budget, and in the U.S. it makes $146 million. Ugh, not great. But worldwide it makes three fifty two. dollars so that's well, how enough. Is this, how does everyone like this movie if it didn't make money? Is it like a po like it, hindsight? People look back on it and like it? I don't know. That's weird to me. That is a little weird. But three fifty two is good. Yeah, worldwide. worldwide but, but I'm I'm just thinking more. I I wonder American. how much they're kind of like this is a new cast though, and and it is like a like it's a different cell. It might be confusing to people. Well, how so many this years sets from the, the last ground, movie? You know. Uh, well, the from the last X Men movie, I think it would be five years from the last. It's only two years after X-Men Wolverine, though. Okay. I think X-Men Last Stand was 2006. Okay. Might have been 2007. Um, so it's close enough to Wolverine, but it's been a little bit since the other X-Men movies. Oh, and by the way, um, I've been very curious, like, how are they going to bring the X-Men into Marvel now that the rights are there? And I think I figured out the easiest way they could do it. Hmm. It's so easy. Um and, and they've talked about it in all the movies uh, is they were just keeping quiet because they're afraid what people are going to do to the mutants. Oh, yeah. Because I, I really don't want them to be like, who's this Professor X guy? Let's follow him. Or, you know, we, we've, we have all this origin stuff. I, yeah. think, I think they should just start it. They should just be like, oh, we, we got this guy and he's got this school. Well, you guys were solving this world's problems. We were solving this world's problems. Yeah, and, and there, there'll be an element of, like, you know, the Eternals where they're like, yeah, we didn't bother with Thanos, but we'll bother with these weird divergent creatures or whatever they were okay. called. But I think that would work because they'd be like, we're scared and we've never we're, we're, we have never looked at them like powers or something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. And and then it's, it's, it's it, to me, that feels so clean instead mm-hmm. of being... Because in my head, I'm kind of like, are they going to have to be like, we're from a different dimension, but we've entered yours or something mm-hmm. strange like that. So I think that's what they should do. Mm-hmm. At the end of Miss Marvel, though, they did they did have confirmed that she's a mutant. Really? So, yeah. I thought she like inherited. Well, I guess that is an inherited gene. But yeah. what's her thing? Um, In the show, she she gets these like old cufflink things. Yes. And they give her these powers, but then then at the end of the show, one of her friends is like, "I was looking at your blood. It's like a big like cliff. It's like the post credit scene." And he's like, "It's not just the cufflinks. You your your genes are mutated. The cufflinks coupled with the genes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> so now let's talk about this. How this movie got started. Um. In two thousand four. Sheldon Turner starts working on Magneto, X-Men Origins Magneto, okay. which is the movie we talked about on our Wolverine, where, where he can likened it to the pianist meets X-Men. Uh-huh. So they are definitely like, okay, if Wolverine succeeds, we're making X-Men Origins Magneto, and mm-hmm. then we'll keep on making these origin movies. Um, and then Zach Penn, who doesn't have any writing credit on this movie, uh, he had this to say. He was working on what sounds like another X-Men project in the early 2000s. And the original idea was to have me do a young X-Men spinoff, 
a spinoff of the young X-Men characters. A little redundant there, buddy. Uh, but someone came up with a pretty interesting idea, which I can't discuss. I was pretty taken by it, um, as it was the same studio, or as was the studio. I have to give him credit. It was this guy who worked with me named Mike Chamoy. He worked a lot with me on X3. He came up with how to do a young X-Men movie, which is not what you'd expect. We'll see. I still have to talk to Fox, set the story down, and then it will take a year, maybe two years. So they're working on a young X-Men movie, and they're working on X-Men Magneto. And then David Goyer announced director of X-Men Origins, Magneto. Uh, And he is going to make this movie. Uh, And then Century Fox and Marvel Studios... Uh, are working together, and it's going to have Ian McKellen in the movie. Okay. But eventually, Ian McKellen says, I'm too old to do this. I will not be involved in this movie. Uh, But after the first three made a billion, so this is where it gets weird to me. This is where we get into weird writer stuff. So this is from a Variety article. Um, after the first X-Men films grossed more than $1 billion worldwide, Fox and Marvel hatched the spinoff program. Magneto will be the second such movie to go into production. First up is Wolverine. We already did discuss that. Um, it'll be directed by Goyer, and the script was written by Sheldon Turner. 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 <laughs> McKellen's participation in Magneto will likely be limited since the film is an origin story and a storyline hinted at by the original X-Men films. Magneto comes to grips with his mutant ability to manipulate metal objects as he and his parents try to survive in Auschwitz. Magneto meets Professor Xavier when the latter is a soldier liberating the concentration camp. Okay. Uh, Magneto hones his powers by hunting down and killing Nazi war criminals who tortured him, and his lust for vengeance turns Xavier and Magneto into enemies. Both characters will be played by actors in their 20s. And then this just dates the statement. It's so funny. Marvel, coming off Columbia's Ghost Rider, has a May 4th bow for... Spider-Man 3, and a June 15th opening for Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. And Marvel Studios is in production on a Robert Downey Jr. movie called Iron Man. <laughs> so, different time. Um, Have you seen Ghost Rider? Oh, I've seen Ghost Rider. I've just seen it on TV. But I haven't seen Ghost Rider 2 where he pisses flames. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'd like to see it. And that could be on our Patreon. Even, even in hi- with hindsight and looking back. So, go- is Ghost Rider Marvel? It mm-hmm. is. But looking back on it, everything, it still feels so perfectly casted to me. Yeah. I I hope that they do something with Ghost Rider. He's cool. Oh, yeah. It's a cool character. He's cool. He's fun. It, uh, you know, kind of doing like a dark part of the MCU with like Blade and Ghost uh-huh. Rider. And yeah. Bring, bring, make Moon Knight a little bit darker. Yeah. Um, They got close, but, you know, and, and have that corner of the universe where it's like, we deal with the really bad stuff. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe let Doctor Strange because what well, Doctor Strange was pretty dark last yeah. year. Uh, keep, yeah, keep things what going. What is Ghost Rider like? What happened? How did he get there? Uh, I don't remember. Did he make a deal with the devil or something? I think he made a deal with the devil. That sounds right. Yeah, I think so. And, and is is he doing the devil's bidding? I think so. I, I yeah, I just can't. It's been so long. Yeah, I I don't really know though. Yeah, Johnny Blaze. We we stand Johnny Blaze. Reverend always. But um, the writer's strike happens, 2008, uh, and that's another reason why Magneto doesn't go through. And then Simon Kinberg, who was writing on some of the other X-Men movies and will eventually direct X-Men Dark Phoenix, he suggests that they 
do the comic book story first class, but don't follow it too closely. He said it was too John Hughesy and too um, something else. So what? it sounded like it was maybe a little more soap opera, you know, or like teenage relationships. Okay, fine. So instead, let's put all these things in the movie that have been covered in the first three movies, just in case people forgot. Uh-huh. And so that movie would have been greenlit on the success of Magneto. So as you can yeah. see, they have these two scripts. Yeah. And then they combine them, basically. Got and it. then edit yeah, it a yeah, bunch. Yeah. And then um, in 2009, Singer's like, hey, I'm back. I'm going to direct this X-Men First Class movie, and we're going to incorporate the Magneto stuff. Uh, and then he writes a draft, and then Matthew Vaughn comes on board, and he's going to direct it. Okay. All that to say, there's people in here that clearly put a lot of work in. There was like a duo, and of course, I don't have their names in front of me, which I should, uh, that didn't get any writing credit for this movie, but they wrote the Magneto movie. And it oh, feels. Oh, geez. Yeah, they should get something. Pretty stupid that they didn't. Um, anyway, but I don't know how all that stuff works. Um, oh, it's, it's, I did write it down. It's Josh Schwartz and Jamie Moss, and they, um, they, and and uh, Sheldon Turner, ne who never wrote a script, got a credit. So, mm. um, yeah, you know how that's too stuff many is. cooks. I think they need five. I mean, if they're com if they're combining two movies, I think they got. I think they need at least five, five cinematographers. cinematographers for yeah, it. they should have got like ten composers too, mm -hmm. one per song. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Vaughn, this is funny because you pointed this out, Jordan, and you didn't even realize it. But you said something to the effect of, uh, now it feels like Michael Fassbender's doing Sean Connery right now. But then he's clearly American, and then he's British but, again. Jordan. What? Matthew Vaughn uh, said that Magneto was his attempt to recreate Sean Connery's bond in both style and the badass, charming, ruthless, and sweet personality. So you absolutely nailed that. Do not think that they succeeded. Yes. Well, I have some information on that as well. Um, on Fastbender's performance? I do, but I need you to cover me because I have to yeah. pull it back up. Hold on. I need you to cover me. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so we have covered Michael Fastbender in our Halloween episode of last year. We did, Because yeah. of the snowman. Yeah. So that's who he well, is. Well, so... Here, here's the thing. I think I've talked about it on this podcast maybe a couple times, but as a refresher, my thing with Michael Fassbender, I think he is an incredible actor. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's just preference or if he just consistently chooses mediocre slash bad movies, but he's so good, and I think I like two movies that I've seen him in. But th is this something you've ever considered about Michael Fassbender? What? Is he actually that good? I think it, when you watch 12 Years a Slave. It. He's great in that. He is fabulous and in Glorious, and Glorious Bastards. Bastards. But that's it for me, too. And I, I'm beginning to question maybe he's not that good. I think I think this movie sucks, but he's really good in Frank. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. Um, it's a weird movie. And, I, and I, th I think he was good in Snowman. It's just a terrible, terrible movie, and he doesn't have enough time to do it properly. No one, literally no one had enough yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see but, our episode. That was a funny episode. Yeah. Uh, but, so all that to say, Michael Fassbender does have this idea, and people always praise his performance in this movie, by the way. 
That's odd. Um, he says, I'm kind of using my own accent and taking out as much Irishness as I can. People Is he Irish? Yeah. Uh, people always say that oh, I sound... born in Germany. Hold on. Stop. Okay. 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 Born in Germany to a German father and an Irish mother. Uh, then he was raised in the town of Killarney, Count... Or, okay. Ireland. He was raised in Ireland. Okay. So he's trying to take out his Irish, but most people say oh, that... Oh, he's great in Steve Jobs. Oh, huge oversight, huge oversight. Uh, so he says about this role, I'm kind of using my own accent, taking out as much Irishness as I can. People always say that I sound anything but Irish. Most people say to me Canadian, but what do you do with the accent? He's talking about Magneto because he's not English and he didn't really have any sort of history in England, but I think he is well educated. So I'm trying to play a more neutral version of my own accent. Oh, they dude, it doesn't <laughs> work. Also, he's good in Prometheus. Oh, yeah. I do like him in Prometheus. And, okay, so actually... But gosh, maybe he's just uh, not... Maybe, maybe he doesn't have a great agent. Uh, maybe he has bad taste in movies. Maybe. Um, but and, aren't and, you thankful that he made enough money from these movies that they could make Snowman? Aren't you thankful about that, Jordan? I'm not. And I don't think he is either. I think it was worth it. it man, I mean, I'm not saying, like... It's really for me for him comes down to the the literal way his voice sounds in this movie, yeah, which from varies from scene to scene. One scene he does sound like Sean Connery, and another scene he's just British and that's Michael Fassbender's voice, mm -hmm. which I guess he's not British, but you know what I mean. And then in another scene he's just American, and then and then yeah. you think and I know they're like doing something new. I get that. But then you think, like, shouldn't you just do what Ian McKellen did, which is just be British? Well, so... Not even though I know I the think, character's not British. I don't want to give away what I think about this movie after second viewing. You already know, but to the audience. But I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it doesn't... It cannot decide whether it's just new or it it is connected to the previous movie. Yeah. Because... Like, him saying this, it's like, okay, he's doing his own thing when he should be doing Ian McKellen. But if this movie is just a total um, remake, or not not remake, but like a new... Reboot. Ex well, but, yeah, yeah, reboot. You're right, you're right. Uh, like a reboot, then cool. Like, that's just do your own thing, whatever. But if it's connected to the other movies, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It also doesn't really matter that much, but... It, no, it that's, just that's it's one just, symptom of like a huge problem. When you in this notice movie. it, it does it is a problem. Yeah. You know? But we're gonna talk about that more. Okay. As we as we go up through this movie and some of the strange things they do. Um okay, we have talked about Jennifer Lawrence. I yeah, we covered a series Hunger called Games. Hunger Games. <laughs> uh we have D not talked quick about Quick reminder, Hunger Games, we will be covering a new movie at the end of this year. No. Because they, they're adapting the prequel, don't, and it's coming out in November, it. Okay, but we've not talked about Kevin Bacon. I don't think we have, because we did not do the Guardians of the Galaxy special. Um, it is Kevin Bacon, who plays... Robert Shaw. Shaw. Uh, Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw. <laughs> Robert Shaw is the actor in Jaws. My bad. He is Mr. Footloose himself. Yes. He's also the Woodsman. He's also Hollow Man. He's also Mystic River. <laughs> he and is those he things. Is many, many other things. Here's my flame and hot take on this movie. Yeah. 
which I did not think the first time I watched it. I think the first time I was like, well, Fastbender and McAvoy are totally locked in on this movie. Here's my hot take. I think Kevin Bacon is MVP on this movie. That's bananas. I would say easily. That's bananas. The whole movie, I was like, what is he doing here? I I think he, that's my hot take. I'm going to stick by it. I think he's does a great job. He know, I, I he think, knows what movie he's in. I think I've only ever seen Kevin Bacon in, uh, well, I think, I think, I think. Well, no, that's not true. I don't know. I've just, I've never seen him in a superhero thing. Guardians doesn't count. Yeah, he's Especially because he's playing himself. Kevin Bacon. But I, I, could, I couldn't buy it. Didn't buy it the whole time. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving him, and maybe that's a me thing. I just couldn't get over it. He's cornballing it up in the right ways where other people are playing it like too serious. And then other people are playing it too serious, but then they have maybe a power. That's one of the most hilarious things you've ever seen. Kind of a thing. (laughs) Alex Gonzalez plays, um, Jano's quested, Hano's quested. I don't know. I don't think they ever said his name. That's the what? tornado guy. Oh, okay. Um, he's also... What's his name? Jan- Janos Quested? Well, the actor's name is Alex Gonzalez. J-A-N-O-S. Huh. I don't know what that is. Okay. He is also in Scorpion and Love, uh, The Good Boy, El Principe. Is that about a dog? <laughs> no. The Good Boy? No. Come looks on. Like, looks like a couple of bad boys are on the cover. Oh, okay. He is mostly he is mostly in um, Spanish things because he is Spanish. Okay. For the most part. Um, and then Jason Fleming plays Azazel, who is the Mr. Devil Man. Um, well, who I found out him, is Nightcrawler's dad in the comics. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's cool. This is the actor because I recognize him. Oh yeah, Could not, I would wouldn't have recognized him with all that makeup. Um, so he is in the Curious Case for Benjamin Button, Lock, Stock and Barrel, Deep Rising, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I would like to rewatch that movie sometime. Um, a famous terrible movie. I know, I know, but I but I only but you liked ever it when seen you it kid. as a kid on TV, and when I was a kid and never saw the whole thing, it was just like such a cool idea to me because it seems so adult. Yeah, for I, would love, uh, I would love. I would love to get the get some of the graphic novel. I would love that too. But they don't have it at the library. And really? it's not a Marvel property, so Oh. Um Do you know who did it? Alan Moore. No, I mean do you know who published it? I think it's DC, but it might be Dark Horse. Okay. Um I'm not sure, but Interesting. Rebecca, my birthday's coming <laughs> up in eight months. Oh, okay. Um and then Zoe Kravitz, we have not covered uh, no, her dad's in Mockingbird, but she's not. So she plays Angel Salvador. Um, she is in Mad Max. Oh, Batman. we have covered her. Mad Max. Oh, yeah. Okay. But what it, uh, recently, let's talk about her. She's done Kimmy last year. She did Batman last year. And then, of course, you heard in our um Patreon. Knives Out episode, yeah. only available at patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. A very deep dive into Big Little Lies, which we had recently finished. Yes. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash Micah McCaw to download that episode for $3, which is less than a cup of coffee a month. Even if you don't like this show, you should do that, right? Yes. And then you should give us five stars on Apple iTunes. Yes. And then you should share it with a friend. Absolutely. And once you've done all three of those things... Uh, you will get a gold star in our hearts and the hearts of those we love. Okay. <laughs> so Emma Frost is played by January Jones, which also sounds like a comic book name. Yeah. 
Um, she is also in Unknown, Mad Men. Um, oh, I think she's a big role in Bad Men. Oh, yeah, Mad Men. she is. I she think. plays Betty, and I've heard that name yeah. when people talk about that show. Uh, she's also in Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights, uh, The Politician, Last Man on Earth, so on and so forth. Okay. Nicholas Holt. We've talked about him in Mad Max. Yeah. Um, and then Caleb Landry Jones. Him we have not talked about. He is in Three Billboards um, outside Ebbing, Missouri. Get Out. Heaven Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait. That's the movie I'm yeah. thinking of. Um, and and a lot of other stuff. He's an interesting actor. Yeah. Uh, when he fits, it's like no one else could play it. When yeah. he doesn't fit, he really doesn't fit. Yeah. And I'd say that this is a good example of him not fitting. I agree. Um, but hey, you're welcome on the pod anytime, you know. <laughs> and then Eddie Gathegi definitely didn't say that right. He plays Darwin. He is also in Startup, Princess of the Row, The Harder They Fall for All Mankind, Caged, blah, blah, blah. He has one of the funniest developments in this movie. And I, so, so. Since I had such a experience of dislike for this movie the first time I saw it, there were so many things where when we got to scenes, I was like, I wonder if I will think the same things I thought when I when it was 12 years ago. And I'll just say it now. His powers are he can adapt to anything. Okay, that's pretty cool. And he shows it by, like, putting his head in a, in a fish tank so he, like, grows gills. And then he, like, blocks stuff and turns into, like, rocks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then... He he said he says to Sebastian Shaw, I can evolve like into anything, basically. He's like, I'm adaptable, that's what I do. And then Sebastian Shaw absorbs the power from Havoc and puts it in his mouth, and then he says, Adapt evolve to this or adapt to this, and he immediately dies. And he's the first person on the team to die. After they show us that he is invincible. That is basically what they show us, and then he dies so fast, it's crazy. And and so when we're getting to that scene, I'm like, is this scene as dumb as I remember it being? And we watch it, and I'm like, man, that's it's dumb. It's dumber. Yeah. So. So lame. Yeah. Um, Lucas Till plays Havoc. Um, I was trying to figure out what I knew him from. Okay. And it I, is I didn't recognize him. You, you, the you Hannah said, Montana movie. Aha. That's you, what I know him from. You said this. You said, oh, where'd that guy go? And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I never knew he came. <laughs> he, um, his IMDb picture is him tied to a chair with flames under him. That says MacGyver. So I'm <laughs> assuming he is MacGyver. Like new. like a new, the new one. They made a new MacGyver? Based on what I'm looking at. Well, I mean, wouldn't that be like his top, like his. Yeah, he was, in, he was, he was MacGyver from 2016 to 2021. Oh, hey, that's a solid gig. That is. You know you know how you, all you need are a bobby pin, a rubber band, three nickels, and a hair tie, and he, you can get out of anything. Yeah. Mike Combs is going to like that joke. Yeah, Probably yeah, yeah. no one else. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking something, but I, I'm not going to say it. Um, he's also in <laughs> Stoker, the other X-Men movies, Monster Trucks. Oh, I remember that. Oh, trailer. he's in more X-Men movies. Interesting choice. Yeah. And other <laughs> garbage um and then lastly okay sorry i'm sorry oliver uh platt plays man in black suit (laughs) which is the the guy the baby face guy um oh yeah from fargo season 
Two. One, I think. One. Because he's the guy yeah. who finds the briefcase. Yeah, that's true. Um, so he's in Fargo season one, Lake Placid, The Three Musketeers, 2012, Bicentennial Man. The Bear. The Bear. Chicago Med. And a lot of others. He's great. That guy's always good. He's so solid. Great character actor. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about someone called James McAvoy. Yes, we have. When? Because Split. Of, yeah. Glass. Of course. Um, yes. Okay. Plays the beast in that series, but not in this one. No, he doesn't. Um, okay. So now we, we have to talk about this movie. Yeah. This so movie. I'm, okay, go ahead. So I will say, as we're watching it, had a lot of issues with some things, but I was still like in it. Yeah. And then we got to a certain point in the movie and all bets were off. I lost any uh -huh. shred of respect I had left with, of this movie. And I laughed. I don't think a movie has ever made me laugh as hard as this movie. And I am not exaggerating. I Jordan, couldn't breathe. Jordan I, I had tears I, streaming down my face. I have rarely in our five years of marriage seen her laugh as hard as she laughed. <laughs> I just saw one of the dumbest things I've ever seen put to film. And she and we watched it like four times, and you <laughs> laughed hard every time. And then about halfway past that point, um, and we'll we'll tell you about it when we get there. About halfway past that point, we both started laughing again, just thinking about. It. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, yeah. So I I will now alert the viewers to what I think of this movie as we go forward. Here is my letterbox review I wrote last night. I will forever be vexed by people's love of this movie. I think it's crazy bad. Yeah, this movie sucks. Um, but I do think there is some cool stuff in it. Yes. Um, and and I, I don't want to just be like negative Nelly. Mm -hmm. um, and I am talking about the rapper. I'm not talking about girl negative Nelly. I'm talking about Nelly negative if he was being negative. <sighs> Okay, so I um I actually I didn't get this impression from you, uh huh. But I thought that James McAvoy did a really good job. So you want to talk about that, right, yeah. right here? Uh, okay. And 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 this this is what like eternally breaks my brain about this series. Okay, is James McAvoy is good in this movie, but he is like incredibly suave and very like egotistical and kind of like he's a young buck. No, no, I, but let me let me go there. Like and and all that and it feels so inconsistent with what Patrick Stewart did. Okay. And and I you know, people do change and stuff, so there's an argument. This could be totally a preferential Micah thing. Okay. But it just feels like if this is the same character that's in that movie, it doesn't feel right to me. Now having said that, I I actually think that this performance is maybe a little more like the comic book Charles Xavier. Okay, even as an old person? Um, like like this James McAvoy turning into the old the character that's in the comics uh makes a little more sense than the way Patrick Stewart portrays him because I think Patrick Stewart pr portrays him a lot more sympathetically and I actually prefer that, but in the comics he's he's often a jerk. Um, and, and the James McAvoy seems like he would turn into that when he gets older, mm -hmm. but he would probably drop the womanizing by the time he's older. So like that, that would all like fit together a little mm -hmm. bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, so if there, and, and that's, that's what I struggle with, with this movie. It's like, it's, 
it seemed like when it came out, they were like, this is connected to those X-Men yeah. movies. But then there are things that actively contradict what we've seen in the movies. The The biggest one in the world to me is that he gets paralyzed in the 60s, but he picks up Jean yeah, Grey yeah, in yeah. the 80s. Well, there's also things that they do in this movie. When he isn't in a wheelchair. They do the things in this movie that makes the other three movies, like it takes significant moments away from the other three movies that I think are lame. Like uh, like what? Cerebro. Or- I, I, you did tell me when we were watching that it's not like, like it's not like they ever said in the first three that Professor Xavier made Cerebro. Yeah. But I mean, there is something to be said. Like it was newly presented. It was like a new toy. Yeah. To be played with. Um. And so, I, I don't know. I think when they made it in this, it's like guys, we've gone through three of these, and I'm not including Wolverine Origins. And you can't just like come up with something new. Like not yeah. new, just like there, I just, by the end of this com- this movie, I just think like there are hundreds of comics of just X-Men probably over like, like a, like a couple thousand or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, definitely. Definitely. What, why do we, and, and we're not even this far into this series. We're not even that far into superhero franchises as a whole. So a lot of these things, yeah, Avengers like, hasn't even come out. No, yet. it hasn't. So, so like these problems that I'm having now, they're like, you know, they're 2023 problems and I'm watching right. a 2011 movie. However, that's a good point. It is still like, you were just going to do Cerebro again. And then later on when Kevin Bacon's doing the reactor thing, like it's just the same thing that Magneto was doing at the end of one, right at the end of one or two, or I can't remember. I think it's one, one. Um, it's like all, it all looks the same and operates the same. And it just, yeah, it just felt lazy. That stuff felt lazy to me in terms and like they're just trying to, um, I don't know, please fans like, oh, you guys remember this. Let's just throw this in. <laughs> yeah. And then, but that, that being said, I do, I, I liked the, I like this version of, um, professor X where he is this kind of young person, cocky, uh-huh. really smart is given, is given the tools to like be a leader. Uh-huh. And I think he is even a good leader as a young person, but when it goes through a very traumatic event and I can see how that can change him into a more humble, wise old man. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and the, what they, with Magneto, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the Cerebro stuff, okay. but everything else I think is pretty valid. That I, I do think that with Magneto in terms of like the storyline, I think that works for me too. Oh, with, I, with, that's the coolest part. It's just Michael Fassbender is just weird. He, he is parts. doing a weird. He's just doing weird stuff. Weird thing, and I, I think it's just the accent. I think the performance is there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. Yeah, um, but yeah, so th- this movie it it's just strange because like even the opening of this movie is like sh- it's like shot for shot the opening of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. And I actually thought for a second, I was like, oh, did they use the exact same footage? But then when the kid does new scenes with Kevin Bacon, it's like, okay, well, this kid would be like 15 years older by now. So also, uh, just to say, we rented this movie because are you you going down the Yeah, So we we had to rent this movie um, and on YouTube.com YouTube. Yeah, that's where we usually do our rentals, if you ever wonder. And we have rented international movies oh, on yeah. YouTube before. Ongbok 2, Ongbok yeah. 3. All that to say. So then, early in the movie, <laughs> after we get that shot-for-shot shot 
<laughs> remake from the first movie. Uh, Magneto is in an office with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon is like an S Gestapo person in charge. This kid yeah. has some kind of like weird power. He wants to like Harness exploit it, it yeah. and figure it out. Um, however, this whole scene's in German. And yeah. we got through maybe three quarters of the scene <laughs> before we were like, okay, why would they not put subtitles? Yeah, because I've liked there, – there's been a more recent trend where like when characters speak another language, oftentimes it is not translated to the viewer. Yeah. And I think it really works a lot of the times. Yeah. But the scene was going on for so long. And this one was working for me. I bought it for a long time because you know you know what he's trying to get him to do. So like yeah. that makes sense. But then I was thinking like there's kids at this movie. Like there's kids the that are going to see long. an X-Men movie. It was a long, long scene. And then – yeah, so we saw that. We we got through the whole scene without the subtitles. No, we turned them on by the end. Oh, we did? Yeah. But we were like weird, and we don't like watching things with subtitles. Unless, oh, you know what? Sorry. Uh, we don't like watching things with subtitles uh, in English. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, okay, I'll turn them off. But then the movie has like another scene that's in German later. But no, it was in French, and that's when we turned it on. Yeah, I, I knew it wasn't the first scene. Um, so and I'm just telling you, you're right. Yes. Uh, so the, yeah, there's a scene in French and it's going on and it's like, okay, th there's something wrong with like the actual YouTube file because the, the, t the subtitle should be native to the, f the th format. Yeah. And then I, I looked it up online and there's like, there's like people on Reddit and like forums and stuff who are like, oh, my DVD like doesn't have the subtitles in those scenes. What? And they're like, I know in the theaters it had subtitles. Yeah. And there were too many scenes that were too specific that there we had to so, toggle so on and off. so many scenes in other languages. Yeah, and there there was one that we like turned on where a Russian was speaking and it was like it was like, "Oh, if I didn't turn it on, I wouldn't have known what they were doing." Mm -hmm. Um and I will give huge points to this movie for doing stuff in other languages. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I it's so annoying when you have like German accents and they're like in a Nazi campground and you're like why would a German speak English right now? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. Um, so I really enjoyed that they did that, but it was really annoying, and I sent a complaint to YouTube. Oh, wow. Okay. Not a complaint. I, you can just report a problem. So I, yeah. I said that the file's, like, messed up. Yeah. I'm hoping they'll be like, sorry about your experience. Rent a movie on us. Mm. You never know. When a company's worth a billion dollars, sometimes they give you $3 back. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that scene starts. Kevin Bacon is trying to get Magneto to demonstrate his powers. He uh -huh. can't get it to work. They bring in his mom, who he was just separated from, to try and provoke him to use his powers. Still not working. Kevin Bacon shoots mom, kills mom, and then Magneto is full of rage and yeah. sorrow that he destroys the the experiment room uh -huh. next to the office. Yeah. I thought it was a cool reveal. I wonder which cinematographer um, worked on this scene, uh, but the <laughs> when it was the first showing the scene with him and Kevin Bacon, it's just his office, and then the camera cuts to a different angle. It was like a fun reveal. Yeah, like a surgery room. That there is a surgery room where you know no good happens. Yeah. But this was so that's so nitpicky. But it it was kind of funny, like it's so emotional, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. Nine, yeah. 
and it, it he's screaming for so long. I just I was put back into the theaters when I was watching it, and I think Dylan was sitting next to me, and he was like, "Geez, Louise, like <laughs> shut up, kid, or whatever." Uh, and then and then I've never heard that because nine, of course, is no in German, mm-hmm. and and no. So you just think he's yelling the number nine? No, 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 oh. no, no, no. I, it, it was just interesting. That, okay. that this is all I'm saying. That like no, if someone yells no, like Darth Vader. It's still silly in movies when they do that, but like no, like releases. But yeah, but yeah. for the kid to be yelling for so long, he's like, "Nine!" <laughs> You're like, "Okay, all right." Wow, well, take it up with the ger- with the Germans, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we see a familiar mansion in Westchester. Yeah, it's X Mansion. Okay, wait, Westchester and. America, though, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like Jersey or whatever, I think. I'm just making sure. And Mystique is a little tiny girl who pretends that she's the mom of Charles Xavier, and she's like, I need food. And he's like, cool, you're awesome. You're my best friend now. You never have to want want for nothing. Yeah, and and I was, unfortunately, at this point, I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Uh, why? I, I just kind of felt like, okay, I think this movie might be as bad as I remember it being. Just because, you know, you you have a kid come down and he sees his, his who he thinks is his mom and he's like, what are you doing in here? And then he's like, who are you really? Because my mom has never come in here before because she always has the servants to serve her the food. And, yeah, and you're like, okay, okay, this <laughs> is like, okay, we get it. Calm down. Yeah. Um, but, okay, it's fine. Um and then Kevin Bacon has that quarter too, which we'll come back to. I guess yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. have to point out everything, but so this is something about Mystique that I think is so lame about her character because um, if people listen to our previous episodes, she's MVP of all three movies. Yeah, uh, not th- so in this movies one. Movies do not those mo- those stories do not happen without Mystique. Yeah, and this one, um, she is Charles Xavier's pet until she becomes Magneto's pet. Yeah. And that's Whoa, about yeah. it because when we fast forward, when we go into like the present, well, the sixties when they're grown up and they're young adults and, um, James McAvoy graduates yeah. from whatever and all this stuff they've been together this whole time. They're like brother and sister. What has she been doing? Um, she's been wearing like skirts that show a lot of her legs. Yeah. That's it. When she walks in the rain outside? Yep. Her and Rose Byrne? That's it. Okay. Uh, Big yeah. issue with that. Yeah, no, no. You're, and you're her character right, right. is so lame in this movie. It's nuts. Well, and what's funny is I, I, I can't remember. I think it was the director said something about like how they, they did want to set it in that time period so there would be like womanizing and stuff like that. But that's also like, yeah, that's a great excuse for you to like include like not writing women well. That is, you know, that what makes I mean? you so mad that you just said that. Um, also, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he was specifically referring to like the scantily clad women in the movie. Does that make it better? <laughs> I, I, okay, so I know like Jennifer Lawrence is in the Hunger Games and that's a franchise, blah blah blah. But I don't, I just don't think she's well suited for franchises. I, I thought she sucked in this movie, and I'm bummed that she's going to be in others. She, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I. I just don't think she works. She's not casted well. No, no, and and um, and Rebecca Rom Romagen, uh, the other mystique. Yeah, she's awesome in all three of them. So, yeah. um, 
I mean, obviously they're going to cast lower. I mean, like lower in age. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> but um, yeah, I I don't think she works in this uh, really at all. Oh man, it was it was I, bad. And you know what? I think I think part of it is like we've seen her play complex characters, and so to see Jennifer Lawrence like subjected to like, hey, okay, your motivation is you like this guy. And then, then later you're it's like this guy and you're going to like him instead. Yeah, and it's like that's like she's better than that. Like it seems like a waste to hire her to play a one-dimensional performance. It is unbearably one-dimensional. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So but yeah, you're going to like this guy and then you're going to like this guy by the end of the movie. That's your big character arc. Okay. And 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 yeah, all of your motivations of like looking non-mutant are because of men. Yes. Um, which there, there is something there, but I don't think but they, they the movie's aware that. of that. No, it's not. Yeah. I mean, Jordan, it's a different time. It was 2011. This was back <laughs> when Brian Singer was still working. <laughs> um, but yeah, another thing is that you pointed out, and we're going to put this in Jordan's like list of things. That movie no-nos. Movie no-nos is people don't wet their toothbrush when they brush their teeth in movies. Yeah. And often I've noticed I add add on to that is they spit out and they don't rinse. <laughs> she did not do it in this movie. And she brushed her teeth for ten seconds. I yeah. know it's the sixties, but I think we knew to brush longer than ten. <laughs> I understand we're getting into uh, cinema sins level here, and of course we do not condone cinema sins. I just had this fun memory joking around or rem- rem- was reminded of um, the Brothers Sisters movie. Yeah, with John C. Riley and Joaquin. And there was this really funny scene where John C. Riley purchases a toothbrush and he's reading directions on how to use it. Oh, that's interesting. Because it's a time period. Yeah. Like, like people didn't brush their teeth back in. And I just remember thinking like, that's charming. I, I love that in movies when they're, when they're set at a certain time, when something is new, that's so normal to us mm-hmm. that people are like a microwave oven. Uh-huh. Like like that scene in, in American, American Hustle, Hustle with yeah. with Jennifer Lawrence where she like buys a microwave oven and like like don't put metal or foil in this and, and she's, she's like, like all sunburned or something because it like exploded yeah. or did, or she was like sti- I don't she know she put foil in or oh yeah and um yeah it's just like uh, to us we're like you idiot but yeah. it's like oh yeah this was new back then yeah um yeah so then Magneto's on the hunt for the Nazis uh huh. Man, it almost feels like that would have made a better movie on its own hmm. instead of a I don't know. I, combination. I, just, I don't have enough um, confidence in a movie that could just do that by itself. I actually think it should be combined with another one. I just don't have enough confidence that one cinematographer can do the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love this bit so much already. Um, yeah, so he goes to a Swiss bank. And he's talking to a guy. He's trying to figure out what's going a, on. A gold bar, like a Nazi gold bar. Yeah, and and he has a great line of where he's talking about how like gold is the only thing left of my people because mm-hmm. it was stolen from us and mm-hmm. and taken out of our teeth and from our homes and stuff like that and all that stuff. I'm like, uh huh, mm-hmm. this is good. Mm-hmm. And the guy tries to pull the alarm. And he he's able to stop him with his metal powers. And then he's basically like, tell me where these guys are. Or I'm going to come and find you. And mm-hmm. the guy goes, okay, they're in Argentina. So then he leaves. 
Um, meanwhile, we go to the Hellfire Club. Of course, Jordan, I'm sure you were excited that we finally got to see the Hellfire Club on screen. Um, isn't that Stranger Things? Well, uh, yeah, but it's just, X-Men first, obviously. I, no, 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 I know, but like that is what it's called, Stranger Things. Yeah, right? I guess okay. so. Um, and what is the Hellfire Club? Uh, oh, is that Kevin Bacon's bros? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, Ro- so we're in Vegas. We're in Vegas. Okay. Um, and and you pointed out, which is so funny, uh, that the movie felt like it changes locations like every scene. It, it's like, uh, isn't it like Mission Impossible Two or something? No, I don't think it's Mission Impossible Two. There's like some other action movie where it is like every <laughs> cut feels like a location change, and they have to let us know every time. Yeah, that's. I think that's what makes it worse. I yeah. I, I really think. That that from here on out, and it's still gonna be a thing. But I really think that people need to trust audiences more yeah. with locations because one, like when you show a shot of say the Eiffel Tower, no one in the world needs you to say Paris, France. Yeah, we know. Yeah, but but even a lot of times, like if like we just watched um, uh, Bridge of Spies, uh-huh. which is a ten out of ten. It's a masterpiece. If you haven't seen it or think it's just like an old person's movie, you're wrong. It freaking rules. Mm-hmm. I love that movie, and I was so happy it was even better than I remembered it. But um, in that movie, I think he specifies the locations when they go somewhere, which I think is fine because it's so sparse, but at the same time, I'm like, we, we they've talked about these places so much that when you show me a new location, I can assume that he's in Berlin now. Yep. You know? Yep. So um, You just need it like, for a movie like that. Yeah. Just show me that there's a wall. Right. Because it's the Cold War and the wall is separating Germany yeah. or Berlin. But um, that movie makes more sense because he's not showing you, like, Empire State Building. We're in New York. Yeah, It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, here's an apartment in Brooklyn. Let's say Brooklyn, New York. That is totally acceptable. Yeah. But it's... it's and, and in this movie, they're not necessarily doing that, but it is like you're changing locations so much that I really don't care that now they're in Langley, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Just, just move on. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. That's a that goes in my pile. So, in this scene, we are introduced to Rose Roseburn, who is of course Moira McTaggart. You knew who that was, yeah. You so you've just read comics with her, uh huh. So she's a CIA agent in the comics, or uh, not in the ones I read. That must be pre. What is she in what you've read? She like helps out the X Men. Who does she work for? Charles. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and she actually is in uh, X Men: The Last Stand. She not Rose Byrne, but the character because she as who he's the it's the one where he's like students. Would it be ethical for me to oh, go into a body? That actress is Moira Moira McTaggart, of course. Yeah, I, I can never remember her name. Yeah, yeah. she's fun. I, I like her. She also in in a pretty good couple of uh, comics. She has a son that has a crazy mutation, and he goes and like brutally murders his dad her ex-husband and what's his I, mutation i don't remember um i i think he i think he can as- assume the form of someone and also like kill them at the same time i think so like he touches you turns into like looks like you but also you are now dead oh he like he steals i he steals lives Lives and like identity, Identities. I think. And so he goes on this like cross country thing where he's killing all these people, and then he gets to his dad, and he wants to kill his dad and his mom. And then, um, 
they have to stop him, but I I think they have to kill him if I remember oh, right. Wow. Like it's kind of that the only way. Good. And then Moira, of course, like doesn't want her son to die, but she's also like, we have to. Like, yeah. Like there's no other way. He will never stop. Whoa. You know. So I don't remember exactly what happens, but I it's something to that effect. Whoa, that's nuts. Yeah. Well, in this movie, she gets to take her clothes off in this scene. Uh huh. Because they're casing, but, not casing. Jordan, it was a different time. What are you not getting out about this casino? Where they're what? That was actually I, the third cinematographer's idea. I yeah okay, <laughs> great. Um, and they're they're watching this one man who you described as Jim Gaffigan's brother, which couldn't yeah. have been more perfect. Yeah. Um, and he's in he's in uh, twenty four. He's one oh, of the bodyguards of, of Dennis Haysbert. I thought he was familiar. Yeah. Um. So. They need to get in, but undercover, covertly, whatever. So she strips into her. Uh, luckily, she was already wearing she lingerie. Was wearing lingerie <laughs> um, and goes into this casino with all the other uh, strippers, I guess. I think they were. I think they're go go dancers. It's the 60s, right? Oh, okay. So. Jordan, it was a different time. So she's in there and <laughs> finds this secret room and is trying to get. There was this one part where we didn't have the subtitles on. And yeah. we, we, at this point, we knew for sure. I mean, we had already turned them on for that other scene, but like she pulls out this document out of this desk and it's all in Russian, but the camera scans across <laughs> it. And we're like, oh, we probably should have known what that said. <laughs> um, but then she starts hearing a commotion behind this bookcase is another secret room yeah which is where kevin bacon and his bros are and with we meet emma frost emma frost who's diamond lady yeah. um and azazel who uh and then tornado man who yeah. spins a tornado to jochu or what What was his name like joe job or something jonas but it's not jonas it's Jonos or Hanos. um jonas just doesn't sound like a superhero name well, it's someone's name. It's a person's oh, name. Oh, I would think he'd have like an a, like a you know like no. Oh, it's it's IMDb is weird. Not everyone's billed as their care as their name. Like they're billed as the character no. name, not as their mutant name. Because it's Emma Frost on IMDb. But, but I don't know what her. Mutant well, they name they is. never refer to her as anything else, so maybe that's why. That's probably it. But she, I think she's the the Snow Queen as well. Why would she be called that if she just turns into diamonds? Old. Have you ever touched a diamond? Okay, well, they threaten this guy, and then uh, the devil guy. <laughs> I imagine that that uh, the, the the fans of our podcast that are listening, the newbies, I'm not sure. I hope you're still here, and we're glad you're here. But I'd imagine that our fans are just busting a gut listening to this episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty annoyed by this episode. <laughs> I wouldn't even gotten to the really terrible stuff. I'm still kind of in at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, they kidnapped Jim Gaffigan's brother, and take him <laughs> yeah. and and he so then it cuts to like a war room a la dr strange yeah 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 and thank you um rose burns talking to this other dude and is like this guy's just been kidnapped he's like he's not i'm looking at him right here and then she says how can he have traveled three thousand miles in two seconds and this guy is there to say like we should put nukes in turkey yeah and it this movie's calm this movie is complicated it, it's very complicated and and i i, I mean this this might be reading into it to into it too much, but when when he was like when he was like oh yeah he's sitting right here I was like oh there must be like a cloning mutant or something like that because yeah I didn't I didn't yeah if he yeah. appeared in that room they'd all be like dude you just appeared they probably appeared outside of the no room I I room. know but it, like the way it was edited confused me and maybe that's a me again okay I think there's several it's a Mia problems you know <laughs> it's a Mia yeah okay fine yeah 
Uh, so anyway. So throughout this movie, um, I was pretty unclear on Kevin Bacon's motive. I gotta say. I was as well. And there was a point where you said, what is his motive? And the next scene was him explaining his motive, which was pretty funny. But it was still kind of confusing. Yeah. And I found out the radiation thing was face value, actually. I read about it. What do you mean? Well, in the in the movie, when he's explaining his motive, he's like, once we get all the radiation, then the mutants will be even stronger. And I thought he meant metaphorically, like... Oh, like, but you meant quite literally because they are mutants, they can withstand it. Yeah, and it Does was like... Does he know that activate. to be a fact, though? I don't know. Because, I, I don't know. When I don't you, remember them establishing well, when that. You said that, or I, I guess I was thinking it that from that point on the movie, and I'm like... How does he know that an atomic bomb wouldn't just kill mutants, though? And then, at, but near the end of the movie, it was like, well, I mean, he wouldn't die because he would just absorb its power and become the most powerful mutant. So I'm going with that as his motive, although it's never been expressly stated. Yeah, see, I thought his whole thing was he was just saying that people with special abilities could survive a nuclear holocaust easier than someone who doesn't have special abilities. So if we let it happen, maybe. Maybe not a million mutants survive, but maybe 500,000. I think what, that's what why I, thought. I had an issue with that is because he never seemed like the kind of bad guy that was trying to do something for other people. Because, you know, like Magneto, yeah, yeah. Magneto's a bad guy, but he's going he, like his cause he believes is noble for yeah. him and mutants. You know what? It, here's a praise for this movie, though, and all of them is I think it's wild and awesome that that the makers of all these movies have recognized how integral the main villain is that he is in every single main X-Men movie because oh, Magneto, Magneto is in all three of these. And then he's in all the rest of the X-Men movies, except for the spinoffs. I'm, and I mean, I'm pretty sure he's in future past and, and apocalypse. I'm pretty sure, but even still he's in the majority and that's just wild. That would be like having, you know, Norman Osborn in every single Spider-Man movie. Yeah, that's wild. And and the fact that they never like killed him off or anything like that, and they always have him. I think that is so smart. That and, is interesting. And I gotta give them props to that that they recognize. It, uh, actually, more accurately, it'd be like if Joker was in every single Batman. Oh wait, he is in every <laughs> single Batman movie, and it's to the detriment of those movies. Mm. Hmm. It's almost as if they don't have a full understanding of that character, and maybe it's because he's been used up. And there's nothing left to explore. It's almost like they don't know that Batman has other villains. You know what? I just still, they have not completely explained. Well, they explained in the Tim Burton one. They did. And uh -huh. thank you, Tim Burton, for explaining this. But all the ones since then with Joker still have not figured out how he's gotten those scars. <laughs> and that's just what I'm really waiting for. Yeah. Scars, the movie. Well, we, we kind of saw how he got the scars in, in Joker 1. Because remember that scene where he was hunched over and he was pulling at his shoe for no reason at all, but it looked no, creepy and I people thought that that's why that movie's good because it looks creepy for no reason. Do you remember that? No. Oh, yeah. He was just in a weird position and then he's pulling on a shoe. Um, and that's in an Oscar winning movie. You know, at least though in that movie, they don't give him scars by the end of it. No, but all of his scars are emotional, or maybe they're not because everything in that movie happened, or maybe it didn't. I don't okay. know. We're not talking about it. <laughs> uh, Argentina. We are now there. We are there. I would love to go to Argentina. Uh, yeah. It looked very sunny. I would love to go to Argentina. I wonder which cinematographer <laughs> shot Argentina. 
<laughs> Maybe what? How many locations are in this movie? Is it just well, there's, there's like a cinematographer for each one? Probably, probably. <laughs> Maybe for each country, they really they really wanted to make it accurate. Yeah. So they they hired an Argentinian. Um, that would actually be so cool if that was true. Like if they Not were for like this movie. No, but I mean, if there was a movie that was like, oh, we hired like only the the you know the people that live there for this, besides the actors. Okay. You know, that would be kind of an interesting, cool thing. I don't think they did that. No, they no, they didn't. I mean, they, this is mostly shot in back lots, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Um, which is fine. Well, we're in Argentina and we're in a bar the whole time. Yeah. So uh Magneto goes into this bar. Um and this was probably my favorite scene. I I, I think this scene's good. Like yeah, really he, good. He happens to run into two Germans. Yeah. Oh, I'm German. Oh my gosh, we're all German. Look at that. We're all the way in Argentina. Man, this is so cool. Like camaraderie, all this stuff. What what did you what are you doing? Or what did you do in Germany or whatever? I don't know. But he, he's like, Where are you from? Where are you from? And they say an area, and he's like, Oh, my parents were from that area. And and one says he was a tailor, the other says he's a pig farmer. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, yeah, my, my parents were from that area, and then they were killed. Um, they never had the opportunity be- to become pig farmers or to be tailors. Um, and then he, like, cheers them. and <laughs> Yeah, he cheers, and he's, he's, like, in complete control, and then they're starting to get antsy, and they're, like, reaching for their weapons. And then someone pulls out a knife, and he grabs it, stabs his hand, and he sees in German it says blood and honor. And he says, blood and honor, which would you prefer to shed first? I like, that was a cool line. That's a good line. Yeah. Uh, this scene is great. Yeah. I love this scene. And then the guy pulls a gun, and he's going to shoot him. And then Magneto uses metal powers to move the gun and shoot the other guy. And then um, does he stab him? or Does he get information from this guy about Kevin Bacon? Because uh, I can't remember. He sees that Photoshop picture of Kevin Bacon and the guys hanging out okay, so on then, the wall. and I think Because I think he saves that guy. Like, he doesn't kill him right away. Yeah, but then he does yeah. kill him. Um, and uh, I don't know if it was actually Photoshop. I just remember you saying the oh, picture Oh, it was a bad was, picture. It was Photoshop. Um, Those but, men have never been in the same room together. <laughs> 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 oh, Jordan. Oh, you're funny. Um, yeah, so all of that happens. And then he's like, okay, I got one more guy to get, basically, which is Sebastian Shaw. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love that whole thing. And, you know, we know Nazis fled to Argentina mm-hmm. and, like, South America and stuff. So mm-hmm. it has that air of, like, whoa, this is, like, interesting and, like, like interesting historical is- fiction. Yeah. And, you know. Um, so while that's all going down, James McAvoy graduates something and then it's like basically immediately recruited by the cia yeah and they're they're kind of like like mutants are a thing now and we have just discovered them you just wrote a thesis on it we basically want to hire you to run this branch yeah and there is some resistance from some dudes but then oliver platt is like well i have my secret base that you guys can work out of yeah so that's where they go, and then we meet Nicholas Holt, who plays Beast, and and it's it. He, it Charles is like Charles is like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you already had a mutant working here. And then it's this whole thing where he's like, whoops, sorry, I outed you. Like I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, and then he um, Nicholas Holt take takes a, Nicholas Holt takes his shoes off, and he's got you know grotesque feet. Yeah, and Oliver Platt says that's why you never took your shoes off on beach day. 
He said that I didn't. <laughs> no, did. Oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I was about to be like, oh, that's like a full like letter grade lower than I thought this no, movie was. No, he didn't okay. Say that. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past this movie. I know, I know. Um and, and yeah, so so then they, they are all able to well well, so Beast and, and Mystique have this conversation where they're kinda like, Man, wouldn't it be great to be normal? And and that's how they bond. Um, James Bond. And <laughs> so <laughs> Then, then they go and they catch up to Shaw, who's on this boat. Well, Nicholas or the Beast says that he's been working on a serum that would cure mutants of like what I what he would probably say like physical deformities. Yeah. So that they would be more accepted in society, but it wouldn't get rid of their powers. I'm curious if this is Beast's real origin in the comics because it doesn't yeah. sound right. Well, that also doesn't make sense to me how that would work because like. I know that she says like, "Oh, it activated your power and amplified it, and that's well, yeah, why he yeah, did yeah. it." So that kind of makes sense. I, but but pre that happening, so he's that's his goal. And I guess you know this is. A, oh man, look at this picture of Beast. Yeah, he's cool. I love when people draw him with tiny glasses reading, which mm-hmm. happens often. Uh, he is cool. Continue. Um, so I know I know we're in a time period when mutants aren't uh, widespread publicly. Like most people might not even know that they're mutants or that they're hiding it. So in the sixties, but it does, it does just make you think like trying to create a serum like that. It's like, how would that get rid of the wings for Zoe Kravitz? Because if you do something that gets rid of her wings, then she has nothing. Do you know what I mean? Well, isn't that the point of the serum? Well, I'm thinking too. Okay. Well, I'm thinking too far. I I know. I I was trying to look up his origin. So I I recognize that I'm thinking too far on this but if this is supposed to hide physical attributes of a mutant or get rid of them Uh so that they appear normal like you you can't just like get rid of her wings yeah they just fall off so then she can't use them ever again but because but but he's clear no no but he's clear that it would not take away anyone's powers that's what he's he says that he yeah he said that's what he's working for Oh, would, that doesn't because, make any sense Because I to me. think Mystique, like, clarifies that. Oh, if that's the case, then I'm on board with you, and, and that makes no sense. I totally thought he was trying possible. to eradicate it's, the X gene. It's No, I don't think so, because... It's so insane that... That, that doesn't make sense to me, character-wise, and working with Professor X. we've talked about, this is the one that we're willing to go all the way into the nitty-gritty of the science. <laughs> On every episode, we've done this. We go all <laughs> well, the way. It's, it's entirely possible that I miss understood the scene yeah. as well but it just doesn't make sense that he'd be working on the serum and like professor x is like even magneto which i don't even think they know that he's doing it but they're like yeah keep going for that do that science that gets rid of all of our quote-unquote problems yeah um i'm trying to i'm trying to look it up now because now i'm curious um yeah is a serum developed by hank mccoy in order to suppress the mutant gene uh, uh, where did it go? Where did it go? The orig- originally derived from the cells of Mystique, the original variation accelerated Hank's mutation, giving him a more bestial-like appearance. Later versions were more successful, allowing Hank to remain in his human form and even taking away Charles Xavier's power, but allowing him to walk again. Oh, so it would take away power. Yeah, I guess so. So I, you might be wrong. Okay. Or maybe he adjusts it later. Um, let's go here on on X Men Wiki. Let's see. 
Henry's mutation, this is the comic book character, more fully manifests during adolescence, providing greater strength and agility, and although his powers allow him to briefly excel in athletics, during his remaining time at school, he soon attracts the animosity of his fellow students and other non-mutant humans. As he seeks refuge, he's approached by Charles Xavier. Henry recognizes the opportunities such an institution can offer. He finds a school both scientific and yada, yada, yada. Alongside... Battles mutant... Yeah, yeah. It sounds like he he just is beast, like from the get go. Hmm. Like when he turns adolescent. Okay. Anyway, I just the yeah. I don't know. the The design on Beast in this movie, woof, is a huge woof. It's it, it seems like the kind of thing where like I think that it it feels like this. It feels like the story. If you asked Nicholas Holt, is he'd be like they tried to do a physical suit. But like the jaw didn't work correctly yeah. or something, so they had to CGI. They were like my face. relying too heavily on prosthetics, and they ended up being too bulky or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we joked and joked about Kelsey Grammer. He looked good, but though. he looked good. Yeah, they figured it out for him. I mean, he was probably in makeup for. I think we even talked about it, but like all freaking day yeah, yeah. until he actually had to start shooting. But um, okay, so around this time. They are introduced to Cerebro, which Nicholas Holt created, and uh, this scene was funny to me. Okay, at this point, I'm pretty much off board on the movie. Yeah. But at, at this scene, so, like, James McAvoy or Professor X gets in it. <laughs> this was so hard yeah, not yeah, to yeah. laugh, because it's, like, it's a really dramatic scene where, like, he's able to see all these mutants for the first time around the world, and it's so exciting, but it kept cutting back to him, and he's like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or he'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what I, I love, in, and this is a movie thing, not an X-Men thing, but I love in scenes like this where something's happening in someone's mind that's good. You yeah. know it's good, but then it shows other people in the room, and they don't they don't see what Charles Xavier seeing him and they're looking at him and they're smiling and they're like, wow, it's really working. And it's like, he could be dying right now. We <laughs> actually don't know. Uh-huh. So that's funny. Yeah. So at some point during all of this business, they, they catch up to Sebastian Shaw, who's on a boat and they're, and Michael Fassbender catches up at the same time and they're trying to attack and they find out Emma Frost is a telepath as well. And when Magneto is, they escape through a submarine, and when he's hanging on to the submarine and, like, jet skiing away, it's pretty goofy looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he, uh, okay, praise for the movie. Once again, the X-Men movies are a lot more concerned with powers than the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. And this movie does that as well. It might come with a little hula hooping, but it does it as well. <laughs> um, so all of that happens... Um, Let's see. The Russians made Shaw that helmet. Um, oh, yeah. We covered most of that. Th- there is a point where Hank McCoy, um, he decides to grab. Who's Hank McCoy? That's Beast. Oh. Um, take the blood of Mystique. Mm-hmm. And when he does so, <laughs> she yeah, decides like... to kiss him at the same time. Yeah, he's about to do it. And it's a very weird scene. And then Michael Fe- or Magneto walks on screen and he says, Kinky. Kinky. And then he walks for a couple, like I would say a good two seconds. <laughs> and those are the longest two seconds I've ever felt. It's very weird. And then he's kind of like, hey, you know, I think you're, you are who you should be. Mm-hmm. I don't w- know why you'd try to reject that mm-hmm. um and then 
Yeah. Oh, the, so when then they meet Zoe Kravitz after that. Yeah. Uh, because, now they're now they're gathering the team. Um, Professor X uses Cerebro and finds all these mutants, and yeah. through that starts recruiting some of them. Yeah. Including Zoe Kravitz, um, who is a, a fly that spits acid. Yeah. And then, it's so. I can I explain what I said last uh-huh. night? Um. So, in in I believe it's like I think it's two thousand. I think it's a run called The New Mutants. It might be just New Mutants. I can't remember which. I think there's two different series, and one has the and one doesn't. So what? I think, but I'm not sure. And I believe it's written by Grant Morrison, I think, but I'm not sure. Uh, all that to say, it's a great run. It's got like 100 issues. I read them all. And and kind of one of the things that, I again, I think it's Grant Morrison introduced and did was hey, instead of these mutants having, like, ice powers, cool, what if a mutant has, like, one of the main characters in that run looks kind of like a deformed baby bird, and, like, I think he does kind of, like, puke up acid and can kind of fly, and he's gross. And he knows it, and everyone else knows it, and even amongst mutants, they make fun of him. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this idea that, like, sometimes the mutant isn't also a blessing. It's Mm -hmm. just a curse. And so... He does this whole run, and that's a big part of it. Is, is I like that. That's a fun concept. Oh, it's so good. Maybe you should read that. Actually, that yeah, you would like that. Uh, there's also um this character that's Charles Xavier's sister from the womb, and there's like what? all this weird stuff because they were like twin? twins. But I think he killed her in the womb. But then she's able to like go into a body later in life. It's it's weird and convoluted, but like in a fun way. Okay. Very cool. Uh, but having said all of that. It what what I find weird about this movie, including Angel in this, is like it feels like you're putting clashing ideas to me as an X Men fan, where where like she has gross and weird abilities, but you're not commenting on them. You're like treating them the same as like metal power yeah. or like laser power, and it's yeah. like no, she spits up like lava vomit. That's that's not. That's not something you're excited That's about. It's not sexy. Yeah, it's and and maybe but that. Then, but then they also t- have the character Banshee, which I think is one of the dumbest characters I've ever seen. And yeah. you said that that's a pretty big character in X Men he, comics. He's a, and, and I understand in yeah. terms of like him as a person. I know you can create interesting stories, but the dude screams. Well, first of all, would it help you to know he's Irish? I mean, and he talks in the accent in the comic book. That only helps that his name is Banshee. But it, would that would that help you to know that's pretty cool? Okay. Um, but setting that aside, uh, I just like that about him. It's just fun when you're reading the comics and he'll say things and they'll write it out vernacularly, like he's <laughs> Irish, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And so it's fun to read. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember when I saw this movie, I didn't know anything about Banshee, and I was like. Why would you include this guy? This this power looks so lame, and it's not great. And then after reading comics, I'm like, oh, it was only a matter of time before Banshee okay. was in a movie. And I just have to trust that. Yeah. Um, Boy, was it But there's weird. a way to do it. Yeah. And this movie doesn't do it right. And here's the thing. But at the same time, the movie does do it right. Because when we're introduced to him and he shows his power, it's cool. Mm-hmm. When he shatters the glass, it looks good. There's like a screech that doesn't hurt your ears or anything, and 
and you're like, oh, that's pretty interesting. I oh, think. and when he demonstrates it for the first time, he like whistles. Yeah. Like, so I mean, he's not like, he's not screaming bloody murder. Yeah. But when he is, when he's flying around and you have these really bad looking like so- sonar. sonar rays and he's like, Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> and, and doing the like, doing the like Anakin Skywalker pod racing thing where he's like, now this is flying. Yahoo! Whoa! <laughs> Not great. Yeah. Not great. It looks pretty bad. And it's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. But some things, it's just like undefinable that it's like, I if you're riding Banshee, I don't know why you wouldn't. In, it'd be like having Spider-Man without webbing. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you got to have him flying around. And I can't think of how you could make that look cool. I, I don't know if you can. It might just be a comic book thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this movie does another huge no, no, but like the worst I I have ever seen it Uh because we get this a lot in movies and no one ever likes it. Mm. Superheroes should not be naming themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. It it was so it was so childish and not fun. Yeah, I, I on the one. okay, defense of defense, I will say, is imagining a group of like young adults in a room with powers, they're all going to try and figure out no, their name. I, I, I know, but, it's, but it's, all, it's just so corny. Yeah. And I want comic book movies to be corny, but this movie just, just doesn't didn't, That do didn't it. work for me. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, they also, when they're trying to, actually, this is the best scene of the movie. And the, the, one of the best uses of a cameo I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Where they're trying to recruit and you see a lit cigar and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I did not know Wolverine was in this. Oh, my gosh. The camera pans. It's Hugh Jackman. It's Wolverine. And before they even speak, he says, go F yourself. And they use their one F word in a PG-13. It was great. It was so worth it. Perfect use of an F word. Perfect use of a cameo. And then they walk away. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great. Um. Yeah, and then there is another good scene where Eric and Charles are playing chess together. Um, One of those classic days when you go to the Washington Mall and no one's in sight within a mile. <laughs> and they're playing chess. and, and On er- the steps leading up to the, to the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, which, you know, usually around sunset, people are kind of like, screw Lincoln. You know, that's like screw Lincoln time. So th- those steps are never really that full. And so they're playing chess, and he's saying, Eric's like, once we get through this stuff with Shaw, they're going to start targeting us. And Charles is like, no way. So we're setting the groundwork for, like, where their relationship will go. And and mm-hmm. I, it's fun that whenever they're discussing, they're also playing chess because we know that they play chess. But then also it's like they're playing mental chess, mm-hmm. so I like the double entendre. Yeah, me too. So they, they go to Russia with the CIA um, to – Try and track down not only Kevin Bacon, but also yeah. like what's going on but, with Russia. Uh, we we probably should talk about Havoc. Well, I'm saying at the, while that's oh, happening, oh, okay, okay, okay. all of the kids are like naming themselves and demonstrating yeah. their powers. Uh-huh. Um, this is the part in the movie where I laughed so hard. I was like, I had Crying. tears streaming I mean, down if, my face. If we would have played the movie, I think it would have been like five movie, five minutes of Jordan not knowing what was happening because she was eyes closed crying the movie laughing. lost all credibility <laughs> at this point when they saved it for last 
That's what I was going to say. They they even hype it where he says back up and they all are like, huh? And then they peek around the corner. And he's like, I said back up. And then, you know, and I'm like, wow, what could this guy do? And then the band proceeds to hula hoop rays of red and he just hula hoops it around <laughs> the courtyard. <laughs> but I mean, the man is, he is moving his hips. He is literally hula hooping. And Jordan lost her I mind. I couldn't believe that not only is this in this movie, not only did they decide to put this character in this movie, it's that this character exists at all. Yeah. Granted, I know later they like, they hone his powers. And, I, I want you way... to do me a favor and look up how Havoc looks in the comic book right oh, now. Okay. Uh, because I think uh, you're, you're going to maybe start laughing again. Um, <laughs> because... It's an interesting costume. It's fun, but it would make... I was make... hoping there would be a hula hoop element to it. No. But, but you're seeing the weird thing on his head? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. That's Havoc. Which I didn't even realize, because they don't attempt to do that at all in this movie, which I think is a good move. Yes. Uh, that would be hilarious, though, if they made that into a costume in a movie that had a budget over $20 million. Um, yeah, Havoc really looks bad. And then Charles and Magneto show up and they're like, we were thinking you should be called Magneto and you should be called Professor X. Oh my gosh. Oh, help me. <laughs> I was yeah. so mad. It, it's just, it just go, continues to say just the superhero, the, the character should not be naming themselves. No. They all come up with these. I mean, just but the big reason is because comic book character names are kind of inherently stupid. Sure. Yeah. So these, like, let's say we're like in this world, like this world is reality and you're telling me they're going to come up with these stupid names. Yeah. They can't come up with anything better than <laughs> like havoc, which doesn't even like mean anything. And well, you angel, can it. angel for a girl with uh dragonfly wings, they're going to call her angel. Yeah. And then then later there'll be a character named Angel. And then it's just like where do you get Mystique from? Cuz she's mysterious who, and mystique. actually coming up with that name. And then not only that, it's we want to name you Magneto because you're kind of like magnets and you professor uh, or you know, Charles, we couldn't really think of anything, so we're just going to call you Professor yeah. X. It's it's just a look into the writer room at the Marvel bullpen. Yeah. Uh but I, I do, I do. One of my favorite uh, all time in a movie naming uh, things is in Spider Man Two when J Jonah Jameson is up there and he's like, "There's this guy with with four arms sticking out of his out of the back of him. What are we gonna call him for the headline?" And and then uh, Sam Raimi's brother is like, "We could call him Doctor Octopus." And then and then he's like, "No, nah, that's stupid. It doesn't work." And then they're like. Doctor Strange, and he goes, no, that one's taken. And then they say <laughs> something else, and then J. Jonah Jameson's like, what about Doctor Octopus? And they're like, perfect. <laughs> no, I like that. Yeah, That's funny. It's, it's so funny. Um, they well, had... I, so what's cool about that, too, is uh, Doc Ock is not naming himself. Yeah. Which I'm sure there are, like, so many comic books in general, like, the characters are not naming themselves. It's what the press is calling them. Yeah. And they kind of like well, take it on. But. What's kind of fun about like the old comics, like sixties comics, yeah. you know, when they were when they were like making up basically a, an entirely new genre of how to do superhero comics. Yeah. Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. Uh, 
it would be like, hello, I'm Dr. Octopus. I'm a genetic scientist and I'm brilliant and this happened to me. And and that's just it. Yeah. Or I'm the vulture and I steal stuff and I have wings. And you're like, okay, whatever. But now, even now, I feel like when when they're writing comics, you know, especially like a Spider-Man comic, which works because of his character. Yeah. But, but, you know, it'll be like, wait, you're telling me your name is Vulture? And and they have to like acknowledge it almost like every time is what it I feels know it like. doesn't it like the only way that that so like let's take that character for example and I've not read any comics I've only seen Michael Keaton play him mm-hmm. but it because it's a move I don't know they'd probably do this in the comics too but they get the the, the costume he's wearing and it's like by costume I mean the the people put Michael Keaton in this yeah. is just basically an overcoat with fringe yeah that looks like a vulture. Yeah. That's it. That's the only resemblance he has to a vulture to where it's like no one like he, Michael Keaton's character isn't thinking about that. Right. It, it would be like we're kind of talking like the press because yeah, one yeah. person spotted him up in the sky and it looked like, well, what did it look like? I don't know. It kind of looked like a vulture. And that's how it happens. Right. You know, you, you know, was uh, I think we talked about this at Homecoming, though, what the, the, the vulture character in the comic books is quite a bit different. Like way different. Like um, he's not a family man. Well, uh, he's an old man, like very old, and and he starts out as like a jewel thief. Like he'll just steal like bags of money, oh, basically. Okay. And then there's been different, you know, motives throughout time. But he mostly is a thief. Um, but what I love what they did when they adapted him is one that that scene where you find out that he's the dad of the girl that Peter Parker likes. That's primo. Mm-hmm. That that is such a great scene, and that's cool. So that's already different. But the idea that they took Vulture and his whole thing is he takes the scraps from mm-hmm. uh, like oh. shield and like battles. Yeah. And so he's literally a vulture taking I'm so the scraps. Stupid. I never thought about that. It's just that is so sweet. And yeah, I, I love like it. That it too. makes more sense than the comic books yeah. originally wrote him. Yeah. And I love that. Although in the comic books, he's wearing a bright green outfit and looks like a bird. So, you know, you see it and you're like, Vulture, yeah, I get it. Yeah, well, then you have then you have superheroes like Batman, yeah. who, like, he could have been anything. Uh-huh. And Bruce Wayne chose to look like a bat. <laughs> right. So, yes, he becomes Batman. That all makes sense. Yeah. We don't, we don't even need someone to call but him that. See, here, here's, so I agree with you on this naming thing. It, it's, it's a it's a very delicate balance, but I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer necessarily. Yeah. Because the other thing you get is when you're seeing, watching a movie like the, the dark Knight trilogy, which of course I love. And those movies are amazing. Okay. So please don't mishear me listeners, but those movies at times, especially the third one, well, not the third one. It just feels like at times they're like fighting against the fact that they're comic books. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, why don't you just call them? scarecrow or why don't you just call him bane outright yes. instead of like dancing around it right. i think they actually do call those two characters that but there's just certain points where it's like you can just call him the name you don't you don't have to like pretend like that's this why people is love real. this character is yeah. because he is scarecrow yeah yeah and i i'm curious how the batman movies are gonna progress with with uh uh i almost said edward norton but that's certainly not his name um, well, they said robert pattinson they said bad guys names and that I mean, they definitely did Riddler. They did Penguin. I don't think they ever called her Catwoman. Did they? Okay, wait. Um, they did Penguin. Is that like part of the man's name though? Like Colin yeah, Farrell's name? They call them Penguin. Yeah, because remember there was the whole riddle that was Penguin. The answer was Penguin. 
or they thought it was Penguin, and that's why he got him. But I, it was... you, I say this every time. You say that word so strangely. <laughs> Penguin. But, but I, I remember that is such a funny scene in that movie because, I again, I love that movie too. We have a Patreon episode on it, and you should listen to it, everybody. But it is pretty funny that, like, their their go to when the the riddle is like it's a rodent with wings oh. is he's like he's like oh I know the answer it's a penguin and you're like oh and and I remember like it goes on for so long I was like I guess that's the answer I assumed it was bat but no it, I guess it must be penguin and then when they get to the scene and he they figure it out and then he's like it's a bat I'm like oh oh you're like, yeah I uh, yeah you're right. like why. When when the movie loops around to it actually being the answer know, you knew it was silly. the whole time, you're going. That's very silly. Why would the greatest detective think that the answer is penguin? Yeah. How do you pronounce penguin? Penguin. Penguin. Yeah. You 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 yeah you. I'm not asking. You I'm not I. asking you to change the way you say it. Well, I just think it's funny. It's too late, Jordan. The damage is done. Okay, so in Russia, um, yeah. Professor X. Magneto, yeah. Rose Byrne are there. Um, th- I swear this is the same house in 28 Days Later. I think you're right. Um, but th- who was this Russian guy? Just some Russian commander dude? I don't know. Yeah, they I think he's said, like leader of the KGB the or something on, like and that. I didn't get it. Um, yeah. So they, it, it's not, so, okay, Kevin Bacon doesn't show up. It's Emma Frost instead. And so Rose Byrne is like, well, this is not, we, we needed Kevin Bacon, so this is off. Uh-huh. And then Magneto is Magneto says, I'm still going in. Yeah. I'm going rogue. I don't even work for you guys. Yeah, but so, not rogue like the X-Men character. He's just actually going rogue. He goes in the house. Uh, Emma <laughs> Frost is in there with the um, Russian commander and is... Um, She's making him think that they're having sex. Yeah. And then when, when you see the, the angle, he, he's just like fumbling with the air. And, mm-hmm. he, and I get it. It makes sense. It just looks really funny. And I think it's supposed to. Yeah, I think so. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't criticize it. But the movie's already losing me at this point that it's like, I have to watch this now. So they, uh, <coughs> sorry, Professor X gets in there to follow Magneto so that he doesn't do anything bad. Yeah. Subdues the Russian commander, starts grilling Emma Frost about where Kevin Bacon is, and she won't tell him anything. Uh, Magneto almost kills her. Professor X is like, no, don't do it. And he doesn't kill her all the way, but then she ends up giving him information. That's what that scene accomplishes. Yeah. And so by then, it feels like, okay, this is like kind of our, like we're getting close to the climax of the movie. I know. And this, go, sorry. The editing, no, 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 you're good. But the, I think the editing and the pacing of this movie is a little weird because then they're like, Hey, it's time to train. I know, and you're like, shouldn't this have happened a half hour ago? Because th- this movie is like two hours and 11 minutes. It felt longer. It much felt longer. much longer because of how much they pack it and all those darn location changes. Yeah. Um, but oh, I but just... I forgot to mention before that Shaw attacks the kids. That's mm-hmm. when Darwin gets killed immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel mm-hmm. goes with them. At Az- Azazel? Azazel? Azazel is dropping men everywhere, to which I thought, it's raining men. Mm. Insert joke there. Um, and then they go away. He's cool. Oh, he's awesome. And he's I think awesome. It, I, think it is, I think it is cool that his mutant name is a demon's name. Like, a, yeah. like, it's based on. Yeah. And I got the actual line, he says, I adapt to survive. And then he says, adapt to this. Be so he literally bored. says, like, I, I'm going to live through anything. And then it doesn't happen. 
Um, and then, yeah, now they have to go train. And at the same time, <laughs> like, it's just a little bit, I don't know. It, they're, like, training, and then, like, all the missiles are getting thrown, ev like, everywhere, and every, uh, like, the stage is getting set for the bad guys. And I'm just like, this mo this training montage should have been so long ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so... There should have been, like... I, I understand that they're trying to establish that this is a time before people were fully aware of what of mutants at all. Uh -huh. So they had, they had to spend a chunk of the movie covering that stuff where like they're bringing in this professor X guy and this is, you know, yeah, this yeah. is a new division like of the CIA, all this stuff. I get that they have to establish that, but I think that they could have cut that and be, because it's the CIA and they're always doing shady, weird secret things that no one knows about that there already should have been some kind of mutant thing established. Sure some kind of like department investigating it. They bring professor X in to help and they recruit people and they start like they're training them. They're not yeah. just sitting in that room, naming each other. They're, they're there <laughs> to be trained. Oh yeah. They, the training. Yes. You're, you're so right. The training montage should have happened there. Um, yeah, it's kind of a long montage. Uh, Banshee scream is absolutely hysterical. <sighs> yeah. Uh, beast runs around the house. And he learns to let out the beast. Um, Which is just his feet. <laughs> um, Havoc uh, gets a suit and he harnesses his power. And then Nicholas Holt um, cups the boob of a mannequin in a very strange way that we had to rewind to confirm that he did. Yeah. Yep. yep. That was um, that was weird. Feels a little incel -y. That was, as uh, Magneto said, kinky. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then... And then Mystique, Mystique learns to accept herself in her true form, I guess, because Michael Fassbender told her to, and then they, yeah. then they bone. And then McCoy has the ser serum. I don't think they do bone, actually. He kisses her, and she's naked in bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, that scene freaking is stupid. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why, because this movie is starting to, like, Set, like it's it's trying so hard to connect to the X-Men 1999 movie but then at the same time it's doing weird things that are contradicting it so this movie like they throw in a random cameo that in the sense of the story makes oh, no sense yeah it's not like the Wolverine one where she's laying there and she's like and he's like that's not how I like you and then she turns into the actress that plays her in X1, 2, and 3 and then he's like I don't like you that way either and then she turns into her normal form and he's like daddy likes now <laughs> and kinky <laughs> kinky and it's just like okay so you are confirming that this is not a reboot this is a prequel that's what that does mm -hmm. along with i mean hugh jackman being in it but you know you could have like kind of let that go mm -hmm. and i guess you could let this go as well but uh, it's really the the paralyzing thing that i just cannot wrap my head around mm -hmm. so then uh McCoy has serum, and then he becomes beast. Beast. Yeah. Because he tries it, and it doesn't work. It reverses. Yeah. It, it makes it more potent, his mutant genes. Praise on the movie. I like how they shot this. Yeah. It's a POV shot, and it looks pretty cool, and it feels very, like, Frankenstein-y, Jekyll and Hyde, kind of like, mm -hmm. ooh, this is crazy, you know, what's happening to me? Um, so they do that say Jekyll and Hyde, actually. They do mention They refer to him yeah. as Jekyll and Hyde earlier. Yeah. Um, and then... Charles and uh, Eric play chess again, and they discuss that. I like this a lot, where Eric's kind of like, 
um, you think that the whole world is like Moira, like they're all going to accept us. And then Charles is like, and you think everyone's like Sebastian Shaw. So like they're both like at two opposites almost. Mm -hmm. So I love all that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, Professor X get, he can, he basically, cause I I do like that, like um, Magneto and I mean, Professor X too. They, they like they're training others, but also they also need to like, work train their own powers yeah and he professor x tells him to helps him perform his power right in a way that is more controlled i like that yeah it, it was again and this is just a me funny it, it he, he just was kind of cross-eyed in that scene and it looked kind of goofy <laughs> oh, okay um but that's okay um and then they do the classic trope of superhero movies that needs to die where it's the end of the movie and they're like hey we got suits now you're like okay you should have had it at the beginning of the movie Uh, you know um and then and then there's just a bunch of nonsense about the cuba cuba cubile missile crisis cuban Uh missile crisis um and this movie hypothesizes that you know the mutants were there and they volley the missiles back and forth there's just a lot of nonsense. A lot of turning on of the subtitles and turning them back off because <laughs> yeah. we weren't sure where this was going. So we weren't sure if we should commit to the subtitles or not. And, yeah. and I think you already said it, but Mike and I have, we just can't do subtitles in general, like English speaking oh, things. I, I can when it's not English. No, no, no. I know. We know that we yeah. don't speak. We only speak English, but, um, cause there's just other, a lot of people that we know that prefer subtitles for absolutely everything they watch. And it drives me And bonko. it drives me crazy. And part of that is because HBO has the worst subtitle settings in the yeah. world. It's just absolutely terrible. Um, they got to fix that. But, um, yeah, no, I, it, yeah. It, I mean, I guess it's, no, I, I, I don't like, I don't like them being on. Uh, but I, I don't have a problem with them. We watch international movies. It's totally fine. That, that's but I was saying. I was not saying that. No, I know. I just want to reiterate. I got nothing against against it. Mm-hmm. It's just when I can understand it, why take up the space on the screen that you could be looking at. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean this this action scene. I I think it's I think it looks pretty bad. I don't think it's very clear action. I I don't like it. Uh, the banshee and and um. Kravitz fight is hilarious. Oh, it's so funny. Um, it's so bad. But but eventually they get to where they get the helmet off of Sebastian Shaw and um, Charles freezes time, which we've seen him do in X2. And I I, I don't know. Maybe I missed a line. Wait, sorry. I have a question before that. Okay. So while that's all happening, Kevin Bacon goes into his special little room um, using the contraption that we've seen in the first movie, yeah. To and they're like turning on this reactor. What in the f is it about to do? It's a nuclear reactor, so he's absorbing all the power, and I think he's gonna like explode that... and like start the crisis. Okay. Like start the nuclear. If I had paid attention to the first movie and remembered it, that's what the same thing does. So why am I asking this question? Oh yeah. I oh my gosh, I hate it so much. I hate it so much that they have it. It, it, it so doesn't bother me, me, but I I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. But anyway, you know, so they get this helmet off that blocks the thoughts, and now Magneto will be able to use it so that Charles can't get in there. And then, and I don't know if I missed something, or maybe like his powers haven't grown yet, but 
Charles freezes Kevin Bacon, but instead of like in the other movies where when he freezes people, they, they stop the actual footage and it's like a special effect. They just tell Kevin Bacon, don't move. <laughs> and, and he is a, he is shaking a lot. His, so his arm is Trembling, like yeah. wobbling and stuff like that. And I remember in the theaters, I was, I was like crying laughing. What, with I the could, lights on? Yeah, the lights were on by now and I just couldn't believe it. Um, and it, and again, I, I feel like if you're, if you're a fan of this movie, you're probably like, oh my gosh, you're getting so into the weeds and they're being so cinema sinzy, which is not what I expect from the macaws. Um, so sorry, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be confused by a movie. How do you think, what do you think about how they killed him? I think that rules. He Slowly takes the coin, coin through his head that, that he showed him when he was a kid. Yeah. And then he passes it through his head and then Charles is controlling him. So the camera is doing the same movement on Charles. And so to Charles, it feels like a coin is going through his head and he's getting killed. Mm -hmm. So he's feeling the pain. I think that is like, if the whole movie was like that, this would be the best X-Men movie. Mm -hmm. Except for maybe the weird freezing where they just told Kevin Bacon to stand there. <laughs> um, and then they're like shooting the missiles at them. And Magneto, Magneto wants to them. send them back. Yeah. And Charles is like, they were just following orders. And this is another great thing where he says, I've heard people fall to that excuse and I will never let it happen again. I like that. That's great. Yeah. Um, and then Moira tries to stop him once the missiles, you know, do whatever they do by shooting him. And then Magneto, you know, because of her bullets deflects them. Yeah. And one goes into, um, Charles. professor X's spine. Yeah. And it's, but it's, then he pulls out the bullet. So it doesn't even look like the bullet entered his body. Well, he has metal powers. Oh yeah. It um, bloody, but it, it was PG 13. Yeah. I, I, it's also like this is such a big event to just throw in at the last second and, and devote one minute to. And again, it contradicts the other movie. So I'm confused about what this movie is compared to the other movies. But mm -hmm. there's actors from those, you know, that's mm -hmm. why I'm so confused. Um, and then they get so basically Magneto's like, I got my team. You got your team. That's how it's gone down. And then they they come back. And, you know, it's the resolution, and there's this great scene where Xavier's talking to Moira, and he's like, oh, man, I'm in a wheelchair now. Next thing I know, I'll be going bald. <laughs> and then he says, he says, wow, we were G-men, but we're not G-men anymore. Oh. And she's like, she's like. What does that even mean? What does G-men mean? Like uh, in the military. Oh. Or like okay. working for the military. It means something to do with that. Okay. Um, and she's like, no, you're more like X-men now. Like, you're not man anymore. You're X-Men. And I'm like, we don't need an origin for that. Big shaking of the head. Yeah. And so then the movie ends. And there's no post credit scene. No. So they spared us that. Yeah. So, I mean, we did do it. There are elements in this movie that I think are, are cool. But on the whole, uh, I could never respect this movie because a person hula hoops for powers. Yeah, and and I will kind of rebuttal you. I can respect this movie because it's five cinematographers. So they put in the extra work. <laughs> no, I I I was kind of hoping my mind would be turned around from the first time, but um, I don't like this movie, 
and it's dead. I'm sorry, Micah. E- even over Wolverine, which has so many issues, I'd much rather watch X-Men Origins over this. Yeah, me too. Which I know is probably like story-wise worse, but it's more enjoyable to watch for me. Hmm. But Actually, this has all those origin problems. Yeah. This is why when they made Amazing F- Spider-Man, they were like, we cannot do his origin in this movie. And we'd already seen it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I I hope that this is not what the X-Men series promises us from here on out. <laughs> but I fear that potentially it is. Not looking forward to it. Um, but... You know, we already told you, rate, review, subscribe, send it to your friends, sign up for Patreon. Um, This month we're doing Glass Onion. And then uh, next month we're going to be doing, what was the movie we said we were going to do? Click uh, Kick-Ass. Oh, actually, we're not going to do that one. We're going to do that later because we have a pretty fun fun one scheduled for... Are you keeping a secret, even from me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just making sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so, oh yeah. No, no. We're we're doing that one because I want to watch those movies. Yeah, baby. Okay. Oh no, but there. But we'll do Kick Ass after that. Okay. Or maybe before because maybe my scheduling's wrong. I think my scheduling's wrong. So we might do Kick Ass first. So just sign up for Patreon. And you'll figure it out by the time you get there. Yeah, and and um, then yeah, next week it is the Wolverine because we're. We're combining all of the X-Men movies and doing them in theatrical order. So next week is The Wolverine. You get it, Capiche? Mm-hmm. All right, Jordan. As we end every episode, we we hearken back to the beginning of our series. And you know, I'm just I'm just editing I'm putting in an, a clip from our first episode here. Hey Jordan, that was a good first episode we just did. I don't know what we should call this podcast, though. It's like it's like it's a podcast, and we want to open up a universe, and our last name's Macaw. 